to a rainy Friday edition of the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. Justin Hall, Mitch Prosser here with you. It's my favorite show we've ever done, folks. I mean, I mean, I, I did enjoy talking about the end of row. I'll give you that. I enjoy poking fun at some folks while we talk about major issues, but there are a few things that I like more than sports, Mitchell. Same for you? Yeah. I was going to say, besides your wife, tell well, me well, yes, one well, thing yes. you like I more. said like. I said like. Uh, I well, love my okay. wife. I like sports. There's a difference. Uh, um, but because of that, reached out and got Jake Crane of Crane & Company. Crane & Company is the sports talk show that takes place on the Daily Wire, which is uh, what's crazy for me to think about four or five years ago, but it's happening now. Jake, welcome in. Glad you're joining us. Tell the folks a little bit about you, the show, what you guys are doing. Maybe some inside look at Dana White's UFC facility, possibly? Yeah. Well, first off, guys, I'm excited to be here. And I want to say I love my wife, too, because you know, she's going to listen to this. So I love you, too, honey, very much. Um, and I, I love sports, too, but not as much as you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, – man, we've um, – it's a crazy story kind of how I got involved in this. And, and I'll spare you all the, all the minute details. But uh, I'm from a sports family. Father played in the NFL – coached in the SEC for a long time. I grew up, I played in college, coached for nine years, six and a half years of the division one level. And when COVID hit, um, which was, you know, kind of early in the the new early signing period and recruiting, they sent us all back uh, kind of to where we were from. And I bought like a $50 microphone. I had my laptop and just started kind of talking football, kind of the meat and potatoes and, and Auburn and stuff where, you know, I'm from. And I, uh, didn't really have any plans on making it, you know, a professional career. And it just kind of blew up and got to the point where uh, some investors wanted to move me to Atlanta and put me on video. And, and that's where I met David Cohn, who's also a co-host on the show. And obviously uh, my brother is too, but I've known him his whole life. <laughs> uh, then Colin Cowherd reached out to us and we signed a six month deal with him and blew it up. And while we were renegotiating, Ben Shapiro sent me a DM on Twitter and ended up calling me then within the next five minutes. And, Man, we love it. We, we love being able to get on and talk sports the way that, you know, we grew up loving sports where politics wasn't infused and in everything and they weren't making you pick a side or making you feel like a terrible person because you didn't believe what they believed. So I, I think the best the best messages we get, because we talk all sports, uh, obviously right now with football coming up and, and our football ties, it's something where uh, that's that's our bag, my favorite thing to talk about. But uh, we have a bunch of people that, that message us saying, hey, man, like you reinvigorated my love for sports because I couldn't watch ESPN anymore because of all the wokeness and and the just, you know, vitriol for half the people in the country. And listen, uh, deep down, I don't care who you voted for. Like, like, I don't. that's not my job. My job is to give you a product in sports that regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, when you watch it, it doesn't demean you. And it reminds you that sports is one of the last havens we have where everybody can come together. Uh, and, and the hate in sports is typically just for rivalries. And there's a lot of respect in that hate. So we don't talk about, you know, the, the fringe stuff that ESPN does or how everybody's racist or about how, you know, it's just it's the worst. Uh, and, and we don't we don't care about that. We just want to deliver you a good product and, and make you, you know, fall back in love with sports the way that we love. it. Right. And I think that's what makes your guys' show so great. You're you're one of my listens. I have 
I have about seven or eight shows I try to fit in in a day, and that's almost humanly impossible. So you're one of them, and I, I enjoy just talking sports. We do it in the office every day. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we, we're talking sports when maybe we should be doing other things. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but it's important that we make sure we remember that sports, like you said, is that last great haven. So really quickly, trying to not deal with all the wokeness in sports, obviously we just saw that kind of come home to roost with the U.S. women's national team. Uh, yeah. we've, we've been dealing I, – I, is it bad to say we've been dealing with the U.S. women's national team since roughly 2015 in regards to this uh, with the Megan Rapinoe and the Abby Wambach and all this other stuff? Uh, some might call it poetic justice that that Rapino missed that kick. I'm not going to say that. I never root against the U.S., um, but this specific team, they were the crossroads of wokeness and and yeah. sport, and I think fans' love of sport won out over buying into their level of what the ideal team yeah. looks like. Yeah. No, I listen. I uh, I'm a red-blooded American male. My grandfather was in the Navy. Nobody loves America more than me. Back-to-back World War champs. Um, yes. You know, n- nobody nobody loves the red, white, and blue more than me. And and it takes so much for me. And and like you said, it's not to root against, but to really be indifferent. I don't care if America is playing. You know, Scrabble against somebody else. I want to root for us. I want us yes. to do the best. But it was so off-putting. The way that they they went about it, the, the way that, that they talked down about the country that gave them the opportunity to represent themselves, and and you know we can get into the equal pay thing. To me, I think you should you should get what what you earn. And if you look at the revenue that they brought in, it's not even close to what they were asking for, and yet they still got it because they they cried the loudest for the longest. So I, I do believe in karma, and you know what. If it was going to happen to somebody, thank goodness it happened to Megan Rapino. It could not have happened to a better individual. And now she's going to be known a lot more for blowing it other than her, you know, fake toughness. And, and it really, it's, it's not even the, the pace stuff that, that is most upsetting with Megan Rapino. It's that she's on her way out retiring. And yet she's going to talk like men should be in women's sports. Doesn't affect her. She didn't have any kids. She's going to be done playing. And that's not even political. Men and women's sports is not political at all. Just like it's not political for me to look both ways before I cross the street. It's common sense and it's safety. Men should not be playing against women in women's sports because then it's going to become a men's sport because you don't have to be Robert Oppenheimer or a scientist to know that there's an unfair advantage anatomically and biologically between men and women. If men were allowed to be playing sport, playing women's sports this whole time, nobody would know who Megan Rapinoe is. Nobody would have a clue because she wouldn't have played. Hell, they couldn't beat a 15-year-old boys team out of Houston. They got beat like 8-1. to one. So right. obviously, she cares more about herself than her team. She cares more about herself than the flag. And she's a selfish person who, at the end of the day, got what she deserved. And I hate it because I want America to win. But, you know, sometimes – Tough love and a dose of dose of some medicine is exactly what, what you need. And she got it. Now, she won't learn from it. Not at all. But she got it. And now she'll know, you know, like, like a kicker for Florida State, she'll be known as Wide Right Megan. <laughs> That's a fair point. Jake, Jake, I love what you were saying earlier about the show. Uh, it's a great listen. Uh, Crane and Company, if, you, if you're not listening to it, you got to. Um, but I, I appreciate what you said about the product. The product is what matters most at the end of the day, as, as we, we all talk about 
winning on the field is what matters in sport. Uh, you know, right. it, it, no one cares what you have to say when you're, well, 0 and 11 or 0 and 12 may be a little different story. We've been there. Uh, careful. Um, but no one cares what you have to say when you're five, you know, at 500. Typically. Uh, I think, I think you've got to win in order to have a platform. Right. Uh, and so when you go out in the round of 16 or when you uh, are a sub 500 baseball, basketball, football team, and everybody's looking for this platform and, and maybe we'll get into cancel culture in a little bit and, and talking through telling athletes to keep their mouth shut and play a game uh, for some people and not for others. And and I'm aiming at conservatives when I say that. Um, but I appreciate what you said there about the product. You know, when we look across sports, I, I think it's important to, to say that sports should be emblematic and typify what we stand for as red, white, and blue Americans, you know, as you said, we've been kicking butt since, you know, World War One, and before that, ask the British twice. Um, yeah, they blew know. a 13-colony lead. Hashtag never forget. That's true. <laughs> See, I like this That's guy. True. I like That's this guy. True. Maybe we should have Jake on talk uh, uh, history as well. Yeah. Uh, but what blows my mind is we give the people who are the weakest. We give the people who are the losers. We give the people who don't and, – and, and – don't don't take well take it however you want. We give the people that don't deserve the platform the microphone and say, "Tell us what you want to tell us." And as you said, revenue share is clear. And and whether or not people want to watch women's soccer or women's basketball or women's cornhole or tiddlywinks, I don't care. The revenue share is clear uh, across all these sports. And if we're going to talk equal pay. We're going to have to chip into a different revenue stream here. Most likely, we're going to have to start taking from the rich to give to the uh, women. Yeah. Uh, look, at the, I, I think, you know, the best way to put it is the saying we hear a lot in sports. Winning cures everything. Right. I, it, yep. it really does. Um, and, and then when you're looking at, you know, it, what's funny to me is, like, if I, I don't go into something, like with music, I don't say I just like this genre of music and I don't like, if I like the way it sounds, I like the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. It's like with food. If I like the way it tastes, I like the way it tastes. I, I'm not the biggest women's sports fan of all time, but I tell you what, I watched that women's college basketball final four with Caitlin yep. Clark and Iowa and LSU and South Carolina and all them yep. and enjoyed it. You want to know why? Because the product on the court was good. Right. Let your play do the talking. Let, right. let that lead the way. Not, you know, there's, there's a, there's a movie I love. It's, it's uh, called heavyweights. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a great movie. It's going to be silly. And there's a quote in there. It's nature versus nurture, Tony. Nature always wins. It does. And that's how it is in the business world and how it is in the sports world. If you're, if you're at the top, people are going to listen. And that, that's, and it's really not just sports. It's across all spectrums. If you're the, the CEO of a big time successful business, People are going to listen. They want you to speak at this seminar. If you're out there at a lemonade stand that's not making any money, you're not going to get asked to go ring the bell in the stock market to start it. That's not the way it works. So, right. yes, it, we need to have a system that is based on meritocracy. That is the best way to do things. And that's not saying that nobody else has a voice. But when it comes down to revenue and things like that and, and stuff that helps drive this country – we need, that's why I've never understood why the president just, and I don't mean to get off track here, why the president wouldn't just be the top businessman that we have, right? America is a business. 
Why would the president not just be the best businessman that we have? If I want to have the best three-pointer shooter, I'm going to have Steph Curry. If I want to lead a business, I want to have the best businessman. So I think when we have something that's a meritocracy and we use performance-based, you know, um, performance-based platforming, basically, that's the way you want to put it. It's probably the best way to put it. I think your chance of success is a lot higher. So I agree with you 100%. You don't give voices just to give voices, right? You 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 listen to the people that have experience, the unteachable, intangible. You listen to people that, that have had successful experience, that know what they're doing, and they can show it to you. And that's what we got to get back to, man. Yeah, and right now I think we're more focused on the intersectionality quotient of if you check a certain number of boxes, then you have the yeah. right to be heard. And I think I think that's where some folks are losing their way, and that's why I'm glad we have alternative outlets where we can discuss these things at a different base. Uh, let's let's be fair. ESPN is falling off a cliff. The only thing keeping them afloat is the fact that they have media rights contracts with the SEC and the ACC yep. for many of these sports. And the Ocho. And the Ocho. And the Ocho. I, I love I love squirrel surfing. But yes. now that now that we've discussed that, Jake, I think a lot of our folks, it is August, by the way, at the time of this recording, it is Friday, August <laughs> the 11th at 1.39 p.m. in the year of our Lord, 2023. Mm. Thank you. Yes. I forgot to do that at the Gracious. time. Now, uh, if for those of you who aren't versed in what we're about to say, uh, just hang tight. Hold on. We'll try to keep you up to date. College football is getting ruined, and <laughs> it's being ruined by people in charge who think jake that the majority of college football fans are the fan of the washington commanders who will tune in for an hour on a saturday to watch southern cal play texas and they'll tune in for an hour and then that's it but they can't name a single player on the team they can't name any of the coaching staff and they have no direct connection to either program we grew up in an era all three of us did where regionality was still a thing where, yeah. and, and I think the playoff is to blame for part of this, because guess what? A, uh, for example, in 2006, both South Carolina and Clemson were about seven win football teams when they played on that last Saturday in November, Steve Spurrier's team won that game 31, 28. Thank you, Jad Dean wow, for missing that wow, kick. Man. That game didn't matter to anybody else except the fans of those two teams. It meant nothing to anyone. It did not have an effect on the national title game. But now we're sacrificing the regionality for media rights deals and for expanded conferences. And I really feel like the people running the ship right now are not college football people. Yeah. No, you're, uh, I want to start out before I get into this because I agree with you. The on the field product is as good as it's ever been in college football. Correct. It's yes. amazing Correct. the on the field product. And that's what's going to save it, honestly. Correct. But when, when we talk about, and sometimes change is good, right? You, you never want to be too stagnant, but we've sure. let this monster out into the village all at once with no rules, NIL, transfer portal, mm -hmm. conference realignment. And then people are like, oh no, now I'm worried when the monster starts ripping villagers apart. <laughs> like th there are parts of, of NIL that, that I agree with. That if I'm going to get paid for my name, image, and likeness, I feel like somebody that can run a 4-4 and do the things these guys can do, should be getting paid for their name, image, and likeness. But I thought NIL was if Bryce Young wanted to do a deal with Dr. Pepper, then Bryce Young's people talked to the people at Dr. Pepper, and they did a deal. Well, now we have collectives that are getting involved as the middleman 
And they're basically replacing the NCAA. That, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Then you have the transfer portal. I think they're, I think that if, if your head coach leaves and that's the guy you signed up to play for, you should be allowed to transfer somewhere. Correct. I get that. Just like if the, the manager that hired you at a business ends up getting into another line of work, you, you, I, I do not blame you for leaving. I do not blame you for leaving at all. But what I don't like is when you can transfer from Auburn to Alabama. With 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 no problem within the same conference, especially I that really transfer, right? Uh, yeah, like, I mean that's <laughs> again. Good luck with that. Uh, but like, if you want to transfer from Auburn to Utah, knock yourself out. I, then no. I'm fine with the one year transfer rule, whatever. So yeah. there are circumstances where if you put rules on it, it would work out. Now conference realignment, kind of the gist of what you're saying. The whole point of conferences and the thing that makes college football great is the regionality. Mm -hmm. Right. Because with college football, every Saturday, it's my way of life where I grew up against your way of life where you grew up. That's what it's almost. And it's not an amateur. It hadn't been an amateur game for a long time. That's right. right? My father got paid in college in 1986. OK, it's been in for a while. You're just now hearing about it to quote mm -hmm. Jimbo Fisher. Mm -hmm. But the whole point of conferences, there is regionality. Right. That's why some of the conferences are literally named after the location of where they're at. <laughs> the Mountain West, the Southeast Conference, the Atlantic Coast Conference, who, by the way, the, the, the Atlantic Coast Conference may get Stanford and Cal on the West Coast. I'm not, I, I, I'm not Christopher Columbus, but that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me right. when I look at a map, okay? So I think some of this started, you know, when you put Missouri in the East. And Auburn in the West mm -hmm. in the SEC. And you start saying geography doesn't matter. So now USC and UCLA are going from California to the Big Ten. So now if regionality doesn't matter, why do we have conferences? Why right. do we need them? If you're going to travel all across the country to play games, you know what that's called? That's called being independent. Yep. That's what yes. independence does. And they can afford to do it. So the only reason that we're going to have conferences is a way for the, the media rights companies to funnel money. That's what it is. It's a money counter. You're in this conference. You get this amount of revenue, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter where you're from. So to me, what I worry about, the main, the main thing that, that kind of worries me outside of, you know, athletes becoming employees of the school with this NIL stuff is going, which I think that would be an absolutely disastrous, catastrophic mistake. What worries me is that we're going to lose the essence of number one non-conference games Yes. Because if I'm in a conference with 40 teams, okay, which I think we're going to two super conferences, I'll probably name one ESPN and another one Fox. <laughs> if I'm if I'm playing in a conference with 40 great teams, I'm not scheduling a good non-conference. No, team. no. Why would I ever? That's why Notre Dame is going to have to get in the conference eventually. The way this is going, because nobody's going to schedule them. Because the more teams that go into a conference, the more conference games I have to play, and they're not going to increase the amount of regular season games after increasing the amount of playoff games because right. of player safety. So that's one big aspect. And then you're, you're going to lose natural rivalries that we've always had that make the game great. And you're going to replace them with this side of the country versus that side of the country. And we already have that with the NFL, right? right. There's a reason that Buffalo, New York, and Miami are in the same division. Like it, it just, it, to me, I don't want to get away from the, the locality and the regionality of college football. And I right. feel like that is where we're getting away from. The conference realignment thing uh, for for those of us um, who traffic in this all year long, uh, we be, we keep it up this 
with this for several years now. We knew it was coming. But now in the 2023 season that's coming up, obviously we are located in South Carolina. There, are, there uh, You can tell me the Carolina Panthers, stop. There is not professional football in the state of South Carolina. There is actually. It's Clemson University and the University of South Carolina. Um, on a Saturday when both of those teams are playing, you have combination close to 170,000 people in each stadium together. So we live and die on that. And I think you saw it last year. Uh, South Carolina started out slow, went on a run in October, and then you hit November and you get blanked basically by Florida. A special teams touchdown is the only offensive touchdown you get. And then out of nowhere, and Jake, I can promise you, if there's any South Carolina fan that tells you right now they thought Carolina had a chance against Tennessee, they're yeah. liars. No yeah. one thought that. Local radio here, no one thought it. You, you go well, – South go Carolina fans Tennessee. were already packeted in for yeah. the year. You they're go like, splatter mm-hmm. Tennessee. I mean, just, that, there's still bits of orange on the field, I'm, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Then you follow it up the next week, and by the way, I will tell you this, a majority of South Carolina fans after that game thought, mm, maybe, and then as Thanksgiving happened, they went, no, yeah. no, not going to happen. Then you beat Clemson. You knock out yeah. two – you knock out two playoff teams in back-to-back weeks, Ugh. and then – play the bowl game of the year outside of the playoff against Notre Dame. You finished eight and five Shane Beamer's second year. You're an Auburn guy. Obviously there was a bitter recruiting battle just recently. We won't get into that, but your thoughts on South Carolina football year number three under Shane Beamer year number two with Spencer Rattler and year number one for a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it was incredible watching the way South Carolina ended the year last year. Uh, one, one of the most surprising – you could say the most surprising ending to the year of, of any team, I think, in college yeah. football, and, and it'd be a great argument. And, look, I always say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm from Auburn. My brother is. Cone from Georgia played at Michigan. We're all fans of somebody. Uh, but when you're in the business as long as I will, Auburn hasn't sent me a check yet. Nobody's, nobody's harder mm-hmm. on Auburn than I am. Uh, and, and we try to – again, you see how the sausage is made. You, you don't – lose that love for your team, but it kind of puts it in perspective. So I call it how I see it um, and and do on the show. I think that's one of the strengths of the show. But when I look at South Carolina, and this is how it is in our sport, everybody looks at the quarterback position, and they should. I think Spencer Rattler, the intrigue is there because it's kind of unknown, right? The way he started out the year last year compared to the way he ended it. Uh, but the biggest question for South Carolina this year is not Spencer Rattler to me. I think Spencer Rattler is going to be fine. But football is not baseball. It is not Mm -hmm. basketball. It is not bowling. One person can't go out there and win the game for you when everybody else plays bad. I am worried about South Carolina on the offensive line. I'm worried about South Carolina on the front seven on defense because football is a game that is won and lost up front. There's been a lot of really good teams that were really good up front and average at the skill position that won. There's been a lot of really bad teams that were really good at the skill position and bad up front. South Carolina, if they cannot run the ball, if they cannot protect Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler is going to have no control over how they do this year. If they can, then they give Spencer Rattler the chance to showcase his ability, and that's what you want. You want to be good enough up front to let those other guys showcase their ability, and that's why you brought them in. Spencer Rattler is an NFL quarterback. I think he's kind of figured it out mentally after being somewhat of a prima donna because I think that's what he was coming out of high school, and I think he's kind of gotten over that gap. But if they're not good up front, 
it doesn't matter what Spencer Rattler does. So when I look at the schedule, obviously George is the problem. Uh, we know Florida. It's going to be interesting. Year two under Billy Napier, their schedules like getting hit with a baseball bat when you walk through the door. But I think there's a legit chance they could be fighting for second in the SEC East this year. And I'll tell you this about Shane Beamer, a guy I've got a ton of respect for. He is the right man for the job. He loves that place. Those players love him to death. The reason he has success in recruiting is because he's a very genuine person. And at the end of the day, in this profession, it is hard to find genuine people. And I think just like his father was at Virginia Tech, Shane Beamer is going to be a lifer at South Carolina. So I believe in the future for South Carolina. I just don't know if I believe in them up front. And, and that's and that's fair. I think uh, I think you say front seven. We're about to get inside baseball here. I, the linebacker position might be better than people think because you do get several players back you lost to injury last year, and you get Jordan Strawn back on the D-line that you lost early on in the year. Secondary is going to be one of the best. It's been one of the best units they've had in about 10 years uh, in the secondary this year, which should be interesting. Let's reverse. To, uh, now, you've probably just upset about half of our audience. Don't say reverse as on. if it was positive trajectory versus negative yeah, trajectory. Yeah, hold on. Uh-uh. Hold on. Wait. Half, oh. half of our viewing audience probably doesn't like me uttering the name South Carolina. And then maybe a quarter of that didn't like that you said they weren't going to go undefeated. So we're, we're angling people. Well, out look, hey, fan, y'all know fans score for fanatical. I'm going to yeah. upset somebody regardless of what no I'm saying. But again, exactly. I'm saying if South Carolina does figure it out up front, who, who knows? They're yeah. good enough around them. You know, if the defensive line's good enough to protect the secondary, because that's what a defensive line does. Because I don't care if you got Deion Sanders and Ed Reed out there, you're not covering people for seven or eight seconds if you can't get to the quarterback. Yeah, so, no, exactly. again, we'll, we'll see. That's the best part about it. you got to play the games. Right, and they open up with North Carolina and Charlotte. College game day's there. Yeah. Clemson is also going to open the season in the state of North, in Carolina. North Carolina. That tricky Duke team, by the way, that won, yeah. nine, that won nine games last yeah. year. Mike Elko, Red, man. Mike Red Elko, alert. Riley Leonard. Red alert. Calm down. No, red alert. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Now, now Clemson, for all the problems they had last year, uh, a terrible year for them. They won 11 games. Uh, Did not look great. Yeah, did not look great in the bowl game against Tennessee, but bowl games are what they are. Did not look great against South Carolina late. Got pummeled by Notre Dame in South Bend. Clemson's got a tough schedule this year, too. You're breaking in a new quarterback. With a new offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, that's a steal, right? Yep. Picking up Garrett Riley from TCU, coming in to yeah. revamp your offense. Dabo Sweeney in year number 1,000, as it feels like around yeah. here. And he's uh, still only like 32. Yeah, yeah, he's got a right. Is it is it weird to say that Clemson in 2023 is trying to right the ship? I think in the last two years, they've lost as many games as in the previous six combined. I, I think yeah. Man, high-class problems, right? I, yeah. I wonder if that's right. Um, Look, here's where I'm at with Clemson. I believe in Cade Klubnick. I I think Cade does have the tools. He's a young quarterback that that got thrown into a tough situation. And everyone's like, oh, well, he was up and down. Well, yeah. Spencer Rattler's a veteran that went up and down. This is not an easy thing to do, especially when you got an older guy like DJU who's a leader on the team. That's that's a tough kind of balance or, or needle to thread. Here's where I'm at on Clemson. Garrett Riley's a great hire. Uh, Garrett Riley, you know, just like his brother, he understands game planning, he understands play calling, calling plays to set up other plays, mix some personnel, mix some formations. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here. People aren't going to know what I'm talking about. But Clemson's problem to me is where, where are all the T. Higgins at? Mm-hmm. Where, where are the Justin Rosses at? We talked about that like, earlier. Where, where are the Travis Etienne's at? I know his little brother's out there, but when Clemson was cooking, it wasn't like they had the best offensive line in the country. They've been good on defense. 
Clemson's defense has been good. There's, I know Greasy was hurt a little bit last year. I'm not worried about Clemson's defense. They have an SEC defense. But their offensive line has been average. But they've been able to get away with it because they had the Deshaun Watsons and the Trevor Lawrences and, and guys that could make up somewhat for it. And then when they went to play the teams like Bama and other places like that, they were good enough up front to hold up and they could turn 50-50 balls into 70-30 balls. And listen, I like Will Shipley. It's a, Will Shipley's a great story. But so is Little Red Riding Hood. And so is Hansel and Gretel, and we all know how that ended up. So until they get those cats on the outside that can do what what we watched the guys before them do, and maybe that is this year, Clemson isn't going to be that dominant force that they were. They're still going to win a lot of games, a little bit by default of the conference they're in. But they're, they've sit from the cup, right? You won the natty. You know what it's like. You've, you've had that filet mignon. You don't want to go back and just eat some you know middle-of-the-road steak. You don't want to go back to that. Go back to old school Clemson. Hey, we won nine games. Everybody get excited. Let's all go to the lake, whatever. They don't want to go back to that. They they want to be dominant. That They want that standard to stay there. So I, I think this year it's going to be interesting to see the skill position. Now, you do get Florida State at home, right? That That's the the biggest game in Week conference four. on your schedule. Uh, yeah, which is it's going to be a heck of a matchup. I'm really high on Florida State as well. But yeah. I, I would not be sure. Clemson – Clemson can be a good football team and go 10 and two, right? Or, yeah. or they can figure it out at the skill position, be able to go and beat a team like Florida State and go 11 and one or 12 and 0. So I, I think it's, it's the, the line is at the skill position right now for Clemson. Mm-hmm. So I do think the offensive line is going to be a little bit better than it ha- what it has been the couple year, last couple of years. And look, DJU, you know, he, he, you know, one of the most consistent player of all time. He showed flashes last year of being able to be the guy they thought. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's like a good cake batter. It's about consistency. That's that's very true. Uh, you know, from a fan's perspective and listening to others, uh, you know, who armchair quarterback better than Dabo Sweeney could ever coach a football team. Uh, the two biggest things that were a frustration for Clemson fans last year Ultimately, the de- you know the defense was still good, but it wasn't Brent Venables good. Wish him all the best of luck at uh, Oklahoma and DJ. Uh, God bless him and his uh, his future. But the the indecision that surrounded DJ uh, at times, Clemson fans were a little angsty in in leaving him on the field. And then running back by by platoon, and part of that could be because you're you know in between the tackles that front line on the offensive side of the ball struggled at times, probably one of the most Swiss cheese uh, offensive lines in the South. Um, and I'm throwing like Southern Miss and, you know, a few other schools, like whatever in there. Uh, th- that was a frustration, but the indecision on the running back game, I think I think if Clemson's going to be successful this year, Shipley's going to have to carry the ball at least 25 times a game. And Yeah, and- you know – I, I think Cade's legs kind of well, – here's what Garrett's going to do. You, typically, when you go into places year one, eventually down the road, you, you're going to have your personnel in, there, personnel in there to run exactly what you want. But this first year, you got to kind of – and the transfer portal's helped to ease this a little bit. You've got to kind of use the tools that you have. So you may have to change some things that you would normally do if the personnel was exactly where you wanted to fit the team. I think Cade Kubnick's legs are going to be a big deal this year and being yeah. able to even out the defense – Oh, and I think we lost him. We'll try to get Jake back here. Yeah. 
uh, shortly. The connection there went a little awry, so we'll see if we can get him back. Got here. some storms here in the Columbia area. Yeah, it might be knocking out part of it, knocking on ours. Uh, we'll see if we can get him back. Uh, but while we do that, I, I think he made a, I think he made a good point, uh, Mitch, that it's going to be Cade Klubnik's legs that get him, yeah, that get him along. I think we're getting him back in here now. There, there he we is. go. There we go. We had some storms. Uh, we have some storms rolling through here, Jake. So it knocked. It might be our connection that's doing it. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good, man. Um, but we got we got Cade Klubnik's legs. What you're talking about, trying to extend yeah, yeah. plays and make yep. things happen under under Riley's system in year one. For sure, I, I think they're going to use that to kind of help that offensive line. It takes some pressure off of it. I don't know how much RPO game, which is run pass option for your listeners, which means that the quarterback mm-hmm. has yeah. multiple choices after the snap, depending on how the defense moves after the snap or what he's given pre-snap. Some guys go about it differently. So I think you'll see that. Uh, I, th- I think you'll see kind of a change in, you know, personnel. You're, you're going to get some more 11 personnel out there, which is one back, one tight end, 12 personnel is one back, two, uh, two tight ends. And that's how we call it. So I, I do think there's some ways to alleviate it. Um, and, and also, you know, I think when you, when you look at Clemson and, and you look at what Garrett's going to want to do, I think using Shipley somewhat as a decoy in the play action game, because they know, just like you said, Mitch, that Shipley's going to be a huge part of the offense. And they mm-hmm. typically try and take away the biggest weapon that you have. Yep. So if I know what you're trying to take away, I know where you're vulnerable at. So I, I right. think you'll see Garrett use that uh, to, to the best of his ability. But again, man, it's um it's weird not watching Clemson have the, those aliens running around that can make those plays on the outside that they typically have. Well, and and that's exactly right. If if they take away the the running option, if that's your strongest link, if they take that away, who do you do the quick dump to? And that that remains to be yeah. seen. So exactly. what, it's but I think if it's you a wait and see. Great, that's why you got to be able to yeah. run the ball. If you can run it, you you know you, you're balanced on offense. Balance keeps you on the yeah. beam. But the the DJ U point you brought up, it, it seemed to me like DJ had and and what I call this is the the fat kid at the pool party syndrome. It's where you're just afraid to take your shirt off and put all the other like fourteen year olds because girls are now at the party too and stuff like that. He just looked nervous the whole time. And all I, the time. I, I hate it for him, but. Lucky for him, he still got drafted by the Dodgers in the 20th round in this last major league draft. So if it doesn't work out in football, heck, get on the mound and see what you got. Right, exactly. And we'll see if he can start something up in Oregon State um, yeah. in their last year in the Pac-12 or whatever that thing is that's dissolving into the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> um, last thing here before we get you out, uh, we, we talk specifically Gamecocks and Tigers because that's where most of our folks really live on. And um, I, will, I will save selfless promotion for later. Um, but – College football as a whole, we're looking into this season. Obviously, Auburn in the SEC, Auburn, new head coach. You guys have Hugh Freeze now. Interesting to see how that goes. Can Alabama reclaim greatness after their 11-win season uh, and, a, and a Heisman Trophy winner at, at quarterback? Is LSU for real this year? I think they have a lot of work to do on the, in the back end of their defense. On the east side, Georgia, I think there are a lot more question marks at Georgia than we're willing to talk about with the departure of some of their talent. Who's the number one wide out there? Who's the running back there? He's hurt right now. We don't know what's going on there. Quarterback, do they have something there to follow up Stetson Bennett? Things I never thought I would say. Is Tennessee going to take that next step, which is, all right, you had a great year. Can you do it again under Josh Heupel and and Joe Milton? I don't really have the trust in Joe Milton that everyone else does. He's got a cannon for an arm, but that's I don't really know much beyond that. We, yeah. we we talked quickly in the ACC. Clemson and Florida State appear to be the class. Does Miami take that next step? Does NC State take a next step? Who Louisville has a very 
manageable. I'll put it that way. Schedule when the outplay. Love the hire they made. Love, Love the hire of Jeff Brom. Uh, they don't. They don't play uh, Clemson, uh, Florida State, or Miami or North Carolina. I believe or not Miami, but North Carolina in the regular season. Is North Carolina going to be any good with Drake May? What does he look like? We'll find out week one when they play South Carolina. The Big Ten, you've got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin with, with a new head coach there. What? Are they, and then the Pac-12 might have their best year of football in their yeah. last year of existence. I, I mean, know. It, it, Southern Cal, Oregon, UCLA, Washington, Washington yeah. uh, Oregon State is a preseason top yeah. 25 team. They're, they're really good all around stuff in college football this year. So if you want to know, talk more college football after you listen to the Palmetto Family Matters show where you get your uh, updates on the culture, go over to Crane and Company with Daily Wire and talk to them. Really quick, uh, Braves Nugget. Matt Olson has 40 home runs. Mm, whisper it to me. And, <laughs> and Ronald Acuna is on track to have a 40-70 season. Hmm. And Spencer Strider, although he struggled, could still Stri- pop up and win his major league strikeout leader, no question. Austin Riley's having a revitalization of the season. Could the Braves Austin sweep Aver- it, could the Bra- outside of rookie of the year, could the Braves sweep every major award of the National League this coming year? No. Yeah. Only because the yeah. Dodgers exist. Meh. Only because the Dodgers exist. You mean That's Freddie Freeman, who and also – uh, Yeah, I'll give you that one. And Mookie Betts. Okay. I, I, will, I will just say this. Do the Braves break 100 wins? Yes or no? Uh, yes. Um, but here's here's what I want to say about the Braves. Uh, it is just it was great watching the Braves play the American League in the All Star game this year. That was it a lot was. of fun. I had a great um, time. I I never thought I'd be in a position. I've been a Braves fan my whole life, uh, and I never thought I'd be in a position where the only question is somewhat the starting pitching, and I don't really have to worry about the bullpen. Typically, it's the opposite. I'm over here just, you know, freaking out like Jody Foster and the accused about who's going to, who we're going to bring in in the back end to make the play. But, you know, when it comes to this team, and I don't want to jinx this, right? I'm a firm believer in that. You know, we're going to go out there and fight hard in the playoffs. Just throw Spencer Strider in game one. Do not throw Max Freed in game one of a playoff series again. I'm just telling you, just trust me on this. Just trust me on this. Max Freed is so much better in game two, game three, later in series. Let let the guy who's on the Black Pearl, Spencer Strider, get out there and just shove for seven in the first one, all right? He wakes up. He walks on the mound. Surprise, you're out, all right? Just Spencer Strider needs to throw game one. When it comes okay. to the guys at the plate, Matt Olson, oh, my God, just put it on a pillow and smother me with it. I love watching that guy play. He's absolutely – the way he hits the all fields, his patience at the plate. We know Ronald Acuna is a, a witch. We know Ozzy Albies is a witch. This team is the best team in baseball. I wake up every morning, and even if I'm in a bad mood, I just look outside and just remember I'm a Braves fan, and then I'm not a Mets fan, and it's absolutely oh, amazing. It's wonderful. Oh, and my brother, my brother's a Yankees fan. So it's been just the greatest day of my life every day. Oh, he's oh, a yeah. traitor. But yeah, 100% traitor. ABY. Uh, well, I, no, I, I do think that this Braves team could be one of the best that they've ever had, and I do think they have so much quality in the front end of that rotation that if they needed to make up for anything anywhere, that'd be the best place to do it because they have the personnel. I hate to see Mike Soroka not going back to old form. I was really, really rooting on right. him. But you got Charlie uh, Morton out there who should be sponsored by Curves, the fitness center for women, because he's out there just throwing Frisbees. Uh, you know, Max did look good coming off the injury. I just don't trust him in game one. 
of a playoff series. I'm sorry, not sorry. Uh, but I just I love the way the Braves are a full team. They're a complete team. And it's just such a great situation. And chop on forever. I'll die on that hill. Well, and, and for those of us who lived through part of the 90s and then the 2000s and then the late 2000s and after 2013 when the team went crater uh, for a I'm, while. I'm old enough to remember when you could get baseball tickets to a Braves – you could get Braves game tickets walking up to the stadium for less than $5. When you got into the park, there were fewer the fewer people in the stadium than there were like in this room right now. And Man. people wore bags over their heads saying anonymous Braves fans. That was in the late 80s, and then the worst of first season, all of the 90s, in through the thousands, and then we go through that trough again. Rebuilding the team the right sell, way. Listen, we, sell, listen, sell. I'm so glad they did that rebuild. Sometimes, Absolutely. Sometimes it's the right move. Yeah. Sometimes, and you look now, and heck, I mean, I the Braves, it's like they win the division every year. It's so yep. awesome, especially being an Auburn fan. Like, it's just so awesome to have a consistent division winner. <laughs> Uh, it's it's just not Auburn. A lot of the pressure off. Yeah, it's not Auburn. Auburn will go undefeated one year, hey, and then the next year lose ten games. My, my yeah, buddy well, called, thank you. I know. Thank my you. My buddy Cole Musio over in Georgia is a huge diehard Auburn fan, and uh, I, I I love the guy. But man, it, it's got to be tough sometimes. Listen, it ain't easy. The Braves are the reason why my sports fandom stays alive, and the and the World yeah. Series win in twenty twenty one. By the way, they've had better teams both years this year and last since that one. That team just went on a miracle run. Still probably the greatest sports moment of my life as a fan is my team hoisting uh, a World Series trophy. Yeah, I think they could – they'll crack 100 wins. It just might be a little bit more tough sliding to get to. But Matt Olson is now, I believe, tied with Shohei Otani for the home run lead in the the, the league. It's a race, boys. It's a race. I'm telling you, Matt Olson, the Braves – uh, we didn't think it. We didn't think it when Freddie Freeman left. The Braves have the better oh, first baseman now. The, the upside on that 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 deal. Pseudo pseudo longevity. And I, I said this when the trade happened. Out when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Alex Anthopoulos is so amazing in his job. Whatever move he makes, I'm like, yeah, probably a good one. Probably a good one. <laughs> probably a good you one. Give me no reason to be like. Uh, there were Braves fans who were like, oh my god, what an idiot. Be like, dude, what? If Warren Buffett shows up and tells you to buy a stock and the you Wizard like, of Wall Street, <laughs> the Wizard of Omaha. So the Braves yeah. are five and five over their last 10, yep. but the division lead is still what? Nine, nine and a half. Nine and a half yeah. on the fighting fills. By the way, for those of you at home, your New York Mets are 52 and 62 and sit 20 oh, and a half man. games. Not back. quite the cellar dwellers. The Nationals have them by three games at the bottom but of the, the division. But the Mets are three games away from being the worst team in the division. I think we can Jake, let me ask you this. And and this is something that I this is something that I want to just I, I have to air a little grievance. Uh, what do you think about the current playoff structure where the first two teams get a little bit of time off? Do you think that that hurts momentum going into that, you know, the play in to the playoff? Do you think that hurts momentum? Whereas we saw Atlanta and New York both crap out in the division series last year because of the play in. Um, well, I think it's kind of bad. from a hitting standpoint. I mean, you get so many at bats during the year, like, but when you get out of that rhythm, sometimes it does take a little bit, but I think it benefits the pitchers. It's it, a game it of momentum. More yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is, but you did just play 162 games. Like, it's, <laughs> it's you know, yeah. we're not out here playing 45 games and then all of a sudden you finally catch up, you know, yeah. and, and, but it, Yes, I, I think it's. I, I think it's a. You can make a logical argument either way for it. Yeah. Um. But I would much rather 
have that not have to play that do or die game. Uh, and then you have that 162 game season where you are consistent the whole year. And in baseball, one guy can go out there if he does the perfect game, you're probably gonna lose. So I, I think there's some good and bad. Yeah, fair enough. Who fair are your two, who are your two World Series teams? Well, you got to in your heart. But let's just, your heart. we'll say the Braves. All right, we'll say the Braves. And then, man, you know, I look at the American League, which has been fascinating this year when you look at the division races. I think you're going to end up probably having, and as much as it it pains me to say it because I like seeing new teams in there, mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. the, the Strohs again. Trash Strohs. Justin Verlander. Yeah. I'm rooting for a Braves-Orioles World Series. I go oh, that'd, be, that'd be so great. That would be so awesome. I'm rooting for a Braves-Orioles World Series. The only problem is for people like me who host – sports shows on the weekends in the fall i don't get to watch nearly as much baseball as i do in the summer cry me and so i'm yeah i know (laughs) woe is me world's smallest fiddle i'm having to talk about football on the radio while i'm watching playoff games so i'll have to take a back seat for baseball america yeah it's it's the beautiful it's the beautiful thing about our nation and how many sec teams are in the four four team playoff this year two georgia and lsu okay no whoa all right, we're going to yeah. have to bring you back to talk about there why you, you didn't say Alabama. Uh, uh, although, gee, I no. wonder why. Oh, but no, no like, he doesn't I, like, he doesn't I, I like bias. Alabama to go undefeated and win the Natty last year. So it's, oh, uh, wow. yeah, it's, there's a lot, lot of transitioning going on at Alabama and not the type that y'all probably have to talk about sometimes on here. That's, that's, <laughs> can that's can Michigan finally win a playoff game? I think they will. As far as I can go, boys, I say predictions until uh, the last week, but Michigan, um, Let's just say I'm, I'm expecting some big things from the Mason Blue. It's For my possible. father-in-law, go Blue. It's possible. Yeah. Going to be a fun college football season. Going to be a fun end to the Major League Baseball season. It's about two weeks away from – or two months away, two weeks. Two months away from wrapping up. <laughs> we appreciate Jake Crane of Crane & Company. How can folks follow you on the Twitters? How can they follow X. the show? Oh, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry, hey, sorry. Hey, on on hey. X. My bad. On X. On X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it's called this week. Yeah, if you want to follow me on X. Uh, just go to Jake Crane underscore J A K E C R A I N underscore. We're obviously on the Daily Wire. Uh, if you're a member over there, or you're not going to be a member. But we are like five thousand away from a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. Wow! So go to Crane and Company. Uh, if you like what you heard, or you want to fall in love with sports again, go subscribe on YouTube. We have great guests, live call in, live chat. Uh, we talk everything, and uh, man, it's uh, it's been a blast coming on here with you guys. Y'all do a heck of a job, and, and looking forward to doing it again. We appreciate it. We're going to have to bring you on mid-season. Just make this a regular yeah. appearance during the college football season because we can't not talk about it. Jake Crane, of course. Crane & Company, appreciate it. Go enjoy some CeCe's Pizza, man. Oh, dude, it's so elite, especially yeah. as a kid. Yeah. It's so elite. The Oh, my, the sugar chocolate pizza, whatever. I don't even know what oh. they call it. I don't even know oh. there's a word for it. Yeah, he- heaven. Heaven. Yes. That's yes. what that's what like God gives you when the first thing he gives you when you go through the gates. He's like, like welcome. And he hands you and he hands you. Maybe heaven's just a big CC's. I'm not a not a when you walk in the St. Peter say welcome to CC's. Welcome to CC's. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah. Okay. He's like, he's like, listen, we have the salad buffet, but you don't really want that, do you? You're already in Pass heaven. Why does it matter? And yeah, the pasta. here's mac and cheese on a pizza. Screw the salad. We got to have you on another time. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. We'll be talking soon. As always, appreciate all of you watching and listening to the fastest growing conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters. Mm-hmm.